We're wrapping up the Jesus Is series here today. And years ago, right before my wife and I were getting married, we were out doing some furniture shopping, and we were looking for a couch. And so we're in this one store looking for a couch for our future apartment that we'd move into once we got married. And back in the day, I had really long hair, a big, nasty, bushy goatee. And so my wife and I are standing looking at one certain couch, and we have our backs to all the salesmen. And this one salesman comes up behind us and says, can I help you ladies? And I turned around my goatee, and the guy was like, oh, you know, kind of like jump back, you know. And sometimes it's hard to recognize people, especially from behind, trying to figure out who's who, you know. And especially in the church now, we have all these ball guys. Everyone's coming up to random people like, Doug, Doug, that's not Doug. I'm Doug, right? So sometimes we have struggle recognizing people. And in this series, we've been talking about how sometimes we have a hard time recognizing Jesus for who he actually is, you know. There are different things that go on in life. There are different things we hear about Jesus. And it's like, wait, who is Jesus? What does he actually look like? What is he really like? And so for five weeks now, we've been discovering and rediscovering who Jesus is. And I think one of the ways that we struggle with this is if Jesus is loving or not. Some of us are struggling with that right now. Maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's especially your struggle, you know? You go, man, is Jesus actually loving? I mean, you've heard some things about Jesus, and you're like, I don't see how he's loving if this is how Jesus is. Maybe you've met some Christians, right? And this one kills me, man. But you've met some Christians, and your experiences with those Christians have said, if these Christ followers are anything like Jesus, then I don't want anything to do with Jesus. Maybe you've had some really bad interactions with some Jesus followers, and so you're saying, if Jesus is like them, then I don't want Jesus, because he is certainly not loving. I think the one that we can most relate to, though, is the difficulties in life's experience, right? We, we all know the hardship of life and how difficult life can be. And sometimes we have those times where life is so painful, we look at Jesus and say, are you really loving or not? Do you really care for me or not? If you were loving Jesus, then why would you be letting this situation continue? Maybe some of you here today would say, you know, if Jesus is loving, I don't see how he could love me. You know, and here you are sitting here thinking to yourself, all right, there must be a lot of really good people in this room that maybe the Jesus loves all of them if he actually is loving, but I don't see how he could love me. And so is Jesus loving? We're going to get to the bottom of that here today, but there's more than just that we're going to talk about this morning. You see, something extraordinary happens when we discover whether Jesus is loving or not. Suddenly, as we come around this truth that maybe Jesus is loving, suddenly we are then called to love. And that's really difficult. Suddenly, as the followers of Jesus, we're called to love others, even love our enemies. And loving others is really, really hard because life is hard. And people do some terrible things to us sometimes, don't they? And so loving others, loving our enemies, loving those who hurt us, who betrayed us, who've done some bad things, man, that's really, really tricky. And you know what? People are mean, and especially they're mean in New York, right? We live in the scariest place in the whole world, don't we? Right? I was at a conference a few weeks ago with some other pastors, and this pastor from Texas who has like 10 gazillion people in his, 10,000 gazillion people in his church, got up on stage and said, guys, I got to tell you, I'm from Texas. Everybody everybody goes to church in Texas. You guys are like the real deal up here reaching out to people in New York because this is a tough place. And we live in a tough area. And not that people certainly you know, don't have enemies or difficult situations or betrayals in other parts of the country or the world, but we are kind of known for that. And so, is Jesus loving? And, and if he's loving, then what are we as Christians supposed to do when people have hurt us? I get it. Life's hard, man. I've been stabbed in the back. You know, some of you, you younger people here today, you could relate to this. 
The girl that I took to one of my proms at my school kissed one of my really good friends the night of my prom. Like, I left, and she went and kissed this other guy. Ouch. That hurt. I have been betrayed in certain ways. You know, there's been time, there was one time in particular that really stands out. I had a bunch, like several confidential conversations with somebody. And then that person went and sat literally in a living room full of people and word for word said what I had said. Betrayal. What do I do then? If Jesus is loving, then I'm supposed to be a Jesus follower. What do I do when I'm hurt like that, betrayed like that? I've been treated badly sometimes. You know, college was really rough for me. I just had a tough time relationally. Some people kind of treated me badly. And looking back, I'm sure I treated some people badly as well. I've worked in some kind of hostile environments. Just ask the church staff. No, I'm just kidding. I've worked in some hostile environments where treat, people treat each other badly. And, and I was kind of treated badly. I've had some tough bosses in my life. And you're kind of like wondering what they're saying about you when you're not in the room. You know, those kinds of relationships. Uh, over the last 14, 15 months, my wife and I have been going through a lot with her health appreciate your continued prayers for her. She continues to go through a lot, but we've had some wonderful doctors. We've had some amazing doctors where we felt so loved, so cared for, but there are two that stand out that were so awful to us, that said such painful and hurtful and difficult things and treated us so terribly that literally there are times I'll just lay awake at night and think about what I wish I could say to them. Man, what happens when we get betrayed? So, so who is Jesus? Is he loving or not? And then if he is, what does that mean for you and for me? And you get it. You in this room, man, you've got some tough stories. You've been cheated on, some of you. You've been lied to. You've been lied about. You've been betrayed. You've been stabbed in the back. You've been treated unfairly. You've been abandoned. Man, we've got some enemies in our lives. We've got some people who have done some really terrible things to us. I spoke with a friend this past week who's a, a really gifted businessman. His business, business is doing great. But I was just talking to him, hey, how's things going? And he said, you know, I got really betrayed recently. And this guy doesn't know Jesus, but I, I got betrayed recently. This is the first time in his, in his whole career this ever happened. He wrote up all these schematics and all these plans and met with a client. And the client then went and took those plans and schematics and went with somebody else. He said, man, that just hurt so badly. Some of us have been there. Last week, we went on our men's retreat. We had a great time, our guys away at Tuscarora. And a bunch of us went up early to set up. And, and so we're looking for a place to eat Friday night. So I start to call around in the area. Hey, uh, you, know, you know, just looking around for a good place for us to eat. And I, and I called this one restaurant because some of the guys with us have, have some gluten allergies. And so I called this one Italian restaurant in town and said, hey, do you guys have gluten-free food? And the guy on the phone says, ah, you got the wrong place. And he hung up on me. Okay. So I, I, I re-looked up the number. Andrew even double-checked it for me. And then I called back. And the guy answers the phone saying, you know, hello, this is blah, blah, blah. And he said the name of the restaurant. And so I said, oh, I'm just calling to see if you have gluten-free food. He starts cursing me out like the bad words, you know. And then he says, if you call back, I'm going to call the cops. I was like, do you know what gluten is? Like, do you know what I'm asking, you know? Hung up on me. And it was like an old school phone, like you heard the, you know, it's not it's like beep, you know, like you heard the, the slam. And I got to tell you, my first reaction when I, hung up, when I got off the phone was, man, I just love that guy. You know, no, that was not my first reaction. In fact, I sat there with the other guys in shock. And we started to joke about how could we call that place from a different number Every day, you don't have no idea how hard it is not to put that phone number on the screen and give each of you a day in the next year to call about gluten-free food. People are nasty sometimes, right? And sometimes we get hurt and sometimes we get betrayed. 
But if Jesus is loving, which we're going to discover today, and if we're his followers, then how do we treat those who hurt us and betray us? It's hard to talk about. We're going to talk about it here today. If you don't know the love of Jesus, my prayer is you'll discover that today. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, this is true of you as well. You've got some enemies. You've got some people that it's really hard to deal with. But if you are a follower of Jesus, my prayer is that you and I will go deeper in his love and we will love more like him. So we're going to see some practical ways to do that. We can look at a bunch of places in Scripture today, but we're going to jump into Luke here. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 23. And this is probably the most loving picture of Jesus that we see. I mean, there's lots of places we could look, but this just blows me away. Look at what happens here. We're looking at this whole crucifixion scene, and in verse 33, it says this, when they came near to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Okay, is Jesus loving? Well, here he is being crucified with two sinners. Here he is, the perfect, pure, holy son of God, never done anything wrong, being crucified with two guilty people, and he's on the cross for you and me because he loves you and me, and he loves the people there standing there even that day, and he wants them to have a relationship with him, so he's giving his life. And I just want to, again, remind you, I know a lot of us know a lot about the crucifixion, and we've heard some of this before, but let me just remind you today a little bit about what this all looked like so we remember how loving Jesus is. We remember all that he endured for you and me. So first, before they actually put him on the cross, they flogged him. And the goal of flogging was to bring them just to the point of death and then stop. Like just so they could still crucify him. And they would attach iron balls and sheep bone to the straps so they would bruise and tear the skin and muscle. To the point of death. That's what Jesus endured. To rescue you and me. Because we sin. Because we've done the wrong thing. Because we can't save ourselves. He endured that. Then they put him on the cross and they drove seven to nine inch spikes through his hands and his feet. And the Romans had absolutely perfected this brutal and horrific and mockery way of killing someone. And the the goal here was actually for the person to eventually be unable to breathe. The goal was for them to suffocate because the, the diaphragm would go into spasms and people could no longer take a breath and they would die. Jesus did that for you and me. So is Jesus loving? Yes, but can we take it up a notch? Can we talk about what Jesus said when he was on the cross? Can we talk about this incredible moment when he says this in verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Guys, Jesus is praying for the very people crucifying him. And you might be here going, okay, well, okay, so the Roman soldiers put him on the cross, and we know the Jewish leaders wanted him killed, so maybe he wasn't praying for those bad people. Maybe he was just praying for the crowd that was gathered there that day. Maybe the crowd that day were really nice people, and so Jesus was praying for them. Can I show you what the crowd was like this day? Look at verse 35. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews, and that was not meant to be flattering. That was a mockery. This is the crowd of people that Jesus 
from the cross, looked up to his Father in heaven and said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Are you kidding me? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus is loving. To the worst, he's loving. And what we have to identify with today is that though we weren't there physically at the cross, we are a part of that crowd that crucified him. We are a part of the reason that he was on that cross because of our sin. And so if you're here today, like I am, man, going through some really hard stuff in life, going, man, if Jesus is loving, then why is this going on? We've got to keep looking back to the cross. We have to. We have to keep looking back. We go, but God, this isn't fair, and that's not fair, and -and so-and-so betrayed me, or I'm going through that, and this isn't right. But but we've got to look at the cross and say, but that's not fair. The perfect, pure, holy Son of God dying in our place, brutally, and then from that place, praying for and blessing those who were doing it. Unbelievable. Incredible. Love. Do you see how loving Jesus is? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I just need you to know today that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is the only thing that can save you and me. It's the only hope we have. We cannot fix ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. That's why he died for you and for me. And the cross isn't the end of the story. Jesus would then raise back from the dead. And that is a historical event. And I would love to talk with you about that because I spent years of my life doubting this event and studying this event and finding eventually, wow, there is so much evidence that this event is true. And so I'd love to talk with you about that if you're working through some of that. And I hope you know it's okay that you're working through some of that, but we'd love to help. But here he is, this amazing, loving Savior. And we, 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 we celebrate this and we look at Jesus, right? And we go, wow, look, at, look what he's done. Look at this amazing love. Look at how he's treated his enemies. And we kind of get the goosebumps. And, and, you know, we get tears in our eyes as we think about this amazing Savior and what he's done for us. But then, you ready for this? Then, at that point, when we've responded to that love, the tides change. And suddenly, you and I are called to love like Jesus loved. That's when the room gets a little quiet, right? See, we love that Jesus loved his enemies. But when we're called to love our enemies, it gets a little more challenging, doesn't it? It gets a little bit more tricky. We're going to look back at what Jesus had to say about this. In the same book we've been looking in here today, the book of Luke, we're going to jump back to verse, or chapter 6, verse 27. Look what Jesus had to say about this. Powerful. He said, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, I know I don't need to even finish this. We might as well call the band up. We'll close, right? Because none of us struggle with this, right? This is really hard. This is really, really difficult. And so how do we do this? I mean, Jesus is calling to us to love our enemies. What does that look like? Well, he gives us some examples of how we're supposed to do this. He, he says, first of all, he says, do good. Do good to those who hate you. A few weeks ago, as I was working on this message, my son Landon was home from sick. Uh, he was home from sick. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. He stayed home from sick. He should have been at school. And uh, so he's watching TV in the other room, and, and he's watching iCarly. And, and on the episode, I'm on the other side of the house working on this message, and, and I'm overhearing, it's so funny and just ironic, that iCarly in this episode is dealing with her arch nemesis, Neville, right? You guys act like you don't know who these people are, and I've never been more disappointed as your pastor. Like, you guys need to be watching iCarly, okay? And so there's this whole thing going on, and there's this whole fight and this whole disagreement. And then it's so funny. I really wasn't paying attention to the episode, but all of a sudden what stood out to me was I hear Carly suddenly say to Neville, you know what, why don't you stay and hang out with us? Right? Just, just reaching out, you know? And then I hear uh, I, uh, Carly say to Gibby, Gibby, give, give Neville a chicken wing. Gibby goes, no! Carly goes, Gibby, 
She gives him the chicken wing, you know. And I said, Lord, I hear you speaking through iCarly. Thank you for this wonderful Nickelodeon cartoon or, or, or show, right? And, and guys, I just have a question for you today. Who you're supposed to extend a chicken wing to? Like, who in your life is that person, that arch enemy that make you grit your teeth? And you're supposed to do good to them. You're supposed to do the opposite of what you feel like you're supposed to do to them. What does it look like for you to do good? Someone from your office, your school, your family, your neighborhood hates you. Hates you. Jesus says, do good. And we celebrate when Jesus does good to his enemies because we're his enemies at first, right? The Bible tells us we were all his enemies, but he demonstrated his love for us anyway, right? We were all sinners, but he came for us anyway. But then we start to struggle when the tables turn a little bit. What, let me ask you a question. What practical thing can you do this week for your enemy? How can you do them good? And you might say, Doug, this is really hard. There's no way I can do this. Well, we're going to see a key in just a minute that I think opens up the floodgates for this to be actually something we can practically do. Another thing Jesus told us to do here is bless people. Bless them. Definition of blessing is this, is, this is hard, man, to ask for a bestowal of special favor, calling down God's gracious power. When's the last time you called down God's gracious power on your enemy? That is tough. This past week, I was just kind of scrolling through some articles, and I saw someone had body shamed an actress, a famous actress. You know what body shaming is? Have you heard of this? It's ridiculous. It's when some jerk who's sitting home on his computer, probably stuffing his face full with potato chips, drinking a beer, you know, writes online, oh, this actress is really fat, you know, <laughs> as he's watching, you know, writing, you know. And so he writes literally to this woman and says these things. And then she wrote back. And she wrote back and said, you know, I, I actually don't think I'm fat. And then she ended it by saying, bless you. Be well. Be well. Isn't that interesting? I thought to myself, that's exactly it. And actually, this actress is known to be a Christian. I thought, wow, there it is. Like publicly, someone humiliates her, and she writes back, be well. How can you bless those in your life who've been bad to you? A few years ago, I was driving on Portion Road in horrific traffic and I'm feeling like man we should be going a lot faster I don't know what's going on and it turned out there was construction and the guy in the car ahead of me I could tell you know you see the people around you in traffic starting to freak out guy in front of me was starting to go crazy and he got up right near the construction where you could start to see construction workers and what was actually happening this guy got himself like halfway out of his window and was screaming cursing swearing at this poor construction worker like it's his fault and I see the construction worker turn around, look at him, and take a deep breath in. I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm about to hear every word in the book. Here we go, right? And he goes like this. Hey, God bless you. And I was not what I was expecting to hear. And I drove by, and I, I wish I had enough, you know, enough thought to you know, just kind of fist bump the guy. Yo, Luke 6, bro, good stuff out there, man, you know. Because you know that's a Jesus follower out there. When you can take that and yell, God bless you. That's what Jesus is telling us to do here. Who curses you? How can you bless them? How can you bless them? But why, Doug? Well, we're going to see why in a minute. But how, Doug? Well, we're going to see that in just a minute. But this is what Jesus calls you and me to as his followers. Another thing we see Jesus say here is pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. And no, you cannot pray they get hit by a bus. That does not count, okay? Pray for your enemies. And guys, I think this is the key. And this is huge, all right? I think this is the key. If you want to bless your enemies and you want to do good for your enemies or do good to them, 
I'm telling you right now, I think the key to all of this and everything that Jesus is going to tell us that we're going to read in just a few minutes is that we pray for our enemies. This is where it starts. You will not do good to your enemies, likely, or turn the light, lighting scene off. You will not do good to them. You will probably not bless them if you're not praying for them. And this is interesting, right? I think the key to loving your enemies is praying for them. And we often think, okay, that's a great tactic, Doug. How smart is that? Jesus, you're brilliant. Because if I pray for my enemies, then God will change them and change all their annoying habits, and that'll just be wonderful. No, you know what I actually think will happen? He'll actually change you. He'll change me as we pray for our enemies. You see, when we pray for our enemies, God may change them, but he'll definitely change us. And then we can love. And then we can do good. And we can bless those who curse. And think about how Jesus modeled this from the cross. Father, forgive them. You know those guys who just drove seven-inch spikes through my hand? You know those guys who beat me, punched me, mocked me? You know those guys who whipped me with sheep bone and iron balls just a while back? God, they don't know what they're doing. So God, forgive them. I think prayer is the key. Verse 29, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them also the other. Now listen, this is not saying if someone is beating the life out of you, you cannot defend yourself. That is not what this verse is saying. This is not saying if someone comes into your house tonight and starts to attack your family, you, can, you know, I'm going Hulk Hogan, you know, John Cena on you. You know, let's get ready to rumble. Right? Like, I'm going. Daniel send Miyagi stuff. Like, I'll go, you know. Okay? It's not what this verse is saying. What this verse is talking about is not responding in anger or pride. You see, think about this verse. If someone slaps you, that's not going to kill you. But that'll hurt your pride, won't it? Even if somebody punched you, I mean, 99% of the time, you're not going to get killed from a punch. But that'll get you angry. And here in this verse, Jesus is saying, hey, don't ever respond out of anger or pride. If someone slaps you and your pride is up and your anger starts building, guys, I struggle with this. I'm not up here preaching this because I got this all down, okay? But when that assault happens, be it a verbal one, a physical one, so-and-so just ignored me, so-and-so, I can't believe they fired me, I can't believe they stabbed me in the back, when all those things happen, Jesus says, hey, we don't, as Christians, we don't respond in anger or pride. Remember, this is what we're aiming at, not that we're going to get this right every time. There's grace and mercy when we fall, right? But this is what it looks like. To follow Jesus. Jesus is saying, we don't take revenge. Let me just ask you a question. Are you plotting revenge on someone? And maybe it's not a physical thing. Maybe you just want to make them look dumb. Maybe you're doing some things behind the scene. You just want them to fail. Is there anyone in your life like that? Because Jesus says, no, that's not, that's not how we act. It's not what we do. And he says, if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Okay, what's all this about? Well, who kind of takes advantage of you? Who takes from you? And you've kind of gotten your back up against the wall and said, wait, 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 you don't take from me. Jesus says, no, we go ahead and we, we're generous. And you need wisdom in this. I mean, you're not just going to keep handing the same thief your stuff over and over and over again. But the point here is we are going to love in a way that makes no sense. Some of you guys have seen maybe the play or the movie Les Mis. And, you know, you guys already know where I'm going as soon as I say that. Because in the beginning of that movie, a thief is released, released from prison. And a bishop takes this thief in. And during the night, the thief steals a bunch of the bishop's silverware and takes off. The next day, the police bring the thief back to the bishop. We caught him. Here's your stuff. Do you guys remember what the bishop does? 
He looks at the police, he looks at the man, he goes, oh, these were a gift. And then he looks at the thief and he says, why didn't you take the candlesticks as well? And he puts them in the thief's bag and sends them off on his way. And that act of love that made no sense put this man's life on a completely different course. And Jesus says, that's what I want to call you to do for those that are your enemies, those who steal from you. See, that's the thing here, guys, is just simply recognizing that we are talking about so much more than just a moment or some candlesticks or our pride. We're talking about people's eternity. And the way that we love can literally help people go, that makes no sense. There must be something to this God stuff. And so Jesus is calling us to some powerful things here. So what would it look like to be gracious to someone who's taken advantage of you? He goes on, verse 30. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others, right? This big, as you would have them do to you. See, this is shocking to Jesus' listeners because the old way was do unto others as they've done to you. The new way, the Jesus way, is do unto others as you would have them do to you. So what a great, brilliant rule of thumb for you and I to begin to respond to people out of, right? Oh, you're about to respond, Doug, in anger? How would you want that person to respond to you? Oh, it changed that all up. It's going to change the way I'm acting. Then he goes on. We're going to skip actually down to verse 35. There's a lot more talk in there, powerful stuff, but just for the sake of time, verse 35, he says, but love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then Jesus says this. Then, this is powerful, your reward will be great. So Jesus is telling us, look, I'm telling you to do some really hard things, guys. I get it, but there's a reward in all this. And I think some of the reward does come here and now, man. Sometimes we're blessed in one way or another because we follow Jesus and we, we love in ways that don't make sense. But I think a lot of this is about heaven. A lot of this, most of this, we're going to see in heaven. And so be encouraged that this is not all for nothing. And then he goes on, and I love this. I think it's one of the most powerful things we could pick up today. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Now this is interesting. What Jesus is not saying is if, you're, if you love in a way that makes no sense, then you'll earn salvation from me and you'll become my child. No. He's saying then you'll look like you belong to me, which by the way you do because I loved in a way that made no sense. And so he's saying here, Christians must be loving. We have to be. It's what we're supposed to look like to the world around us. We've seen we can't save ourselves, and so this isn't about earning salvation. This is about looking like the one who has rescued us and looking like our Father in heaven. Then verse 36, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And what I love about this is Jesus lived this so incredibly well, didn't he? See, one of the things that we have to love about Jesus is that he practiced what he preached. I mean, he says this in Luke, Luke 6, and then you fast forward to the end of Luke, and you see Jesus on the cross, and Jesus is doing exactly what he told us to do. Jesus is on that cross after being beaten, after being hung there to die, and he's blessing his enemies. He's praying for his enemies. And so here's what I hope you're seeing today. I hope you're seeing. For starters, Jesus is loving. If you've been working through that right now, I hope you get that Jesus is loving. I'm telling you right now, guys, when I see my wife suffer right now, there are times I'm going, why? Why is this not over, Jesus? Why? If you love her and you love me and you love our kids, why is this still happening? Then I have to look back to the cross and go, okay, wait, yes, he's loving. I don't know why. 
there's an answer. There's an answer for it. I don't have that answer yet. There's an answer for why. But Jesus is loving. The fact that my family is going through what we're going through does not negate that Jesus is loving. The fact that you're going through what you're going through does not negate that Jesus is loving. When we doubt that, we have to look back to the cross. We've got to take out these scriptures and look back and see his suffering. Because if there was anyone who ever had the right to say why, it would have been Jesus. Pure, holy, innocent person being crucified between two thieves for the sin of the world. Why? Jesus is loving. That's why. In fact, we could even shorten it. We could just say simply, Jesus is love. He is the standard. He is the definition. Jesus is love. So my question for you today is, will you respond to that love if you never have? If you're not a father of Jesus, will you respond to that love today? Will you look to that and say, wow, he wants me. He loves me, even me. If he could look at all the people in the crowd that day crucifying him and pray for them and love them and want them, then he must somehow want me as well. So will you respond to that love? And if you are a follower of Jesus, will you be reminded of that love? And will you go deeper in that love? But then we have to turn the tides and say, will you love like you've been loved? Because the truth is, Christians, Jesus followers must be loving. We must. This is not like a, wow, I'll, I'll you know, hopefully get there one day. No, we must be loving. Scripture says this is how the world knows that we're the real deal. And we're not going to get it perfect all the time. But this is what we aim at. And so will you love like you have been loved? So will you bless those who curse? And will you do good to those? And will you act not out of pride or anger or revenge when someone wrongs you? Will you give to those in need? And I go, but Doug, how, but how? I think the how is we pray for our enemies. It starts there. God, be with them. And not just God, change them. It's okay to pray that. God, be with my boss. Help me be a better boss. Help me see through different lens. God, be with my professor, my teacher. God, be with my spouse. Be with, be with that person that stabbed me in the back recently. God, be with them. Draw them to you. Change their life. But, but God, as I pray for them, I gotta pray for me too. I gotta pray for how I treat them. I gotta pray for how I love them. And so will you pray for your enemies this week? Let me tell you what might happen. You see, if you pray for your enemies, a couple of things might happen. First off, there might be this tremendous God thing, and he takes this enemy and makes them your friend again. I've seen it. Some of you are it. He might take your spouse that you hate and create a new, beautiful friendship, intimacy, and togetherness in your marriage. I've seen it. Some of you are that sitting in these seats right now. He might do that for a work relationship. He might do that for some of you kids at school. He might just do that. And those are the stories we love, and they inspire us, and they're beautiful, and they should inspire us. But there's also the times we pray for our enemies, and they don't change. And the situation doesn't change. And we sit there, and we go, well, what about then? And I think this is when we need to hear Jesus saying to us, look, I get it. It hurts so badly but you never look more like me than when you love your enemies and that's what you need to see today we may never look more like jesus than when we love our enemies especially when they don't love us back and what we have to understand too is we never know who is watching us love our enemies right even if we don't win our enemy over we might win someone else over because they see how we love like think about it that day when jesus prayed for his enemies from the cross most of them did not follow him Most of them didn't have their hearts changed. 
We see one of the guards there go, oh wow, he was really God. So we see that, that's awesome, there's a win. But here you and I are 2,000 years later looking at the love of Jesus, still being inspired by it, still being changed by it. So you never know who you might impact by loving your enemy. It might not be your enemy, it might be your coworker in the same office. It might be the person that lives across the street seeing you love your neighbor who's terrible to you. And you win that person over for Christ. You never know who you might impact this week. But will you pray? Will you start there? We had a bunch of cards made up. But just simply say, I will pray for my enemies. It was actually funny. I went into Staples to have these picked up. Made like, you know, several hundreds of these things to give out throughout the day. And I went over to the guy and said, hey, you know, Doug Jansen picking up some cards. And he, he went over and they got to show you the card, you know. And so he opened up the box, he looked at it, and he went, oh yeah, these. And I was so tempted to just go, well, I'll be praying for you. You know, like, what, ah, I only wish, right, right? Because this is so not like what people are about, right? This is not normal. But what I want to ask you to do, and we're not like a big altar called church, and we're all going to come to the front and be up here for four hours, and, and that's okay if that's a church that you like or go to, that's awesome, but it's not what we normally do, but today, we got stacks of these across the stage, and, and there's, you've been wondering what all that weird-looking tape on the front of the stage is throughout the whole sermon here, right? I just want you to come up during the last song, if you're willing, to say, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. I want you to grab one and just slap it on one of those pieces of tape there. My prayer is at the end of the night, as we're tearing down this room later tonight, I'll be able to look back and see hundreds of cards attached to this wall, because this is where it starts. And I love my enemies, but wow, how do I do them good? How do I bless? How do I not respond in anger? How do I give to those who seem to take advantage? Starts here. I will pray for my enemies. God may just transform the relationship, but at the very least, you need to hear him saying to you, you never look more like me than when you love your enemies. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for all that you've done. God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us so well and so undeservedly, God. We thank you for your tremendous grace, and we thank you that you practice what you preach, Jesus, that you said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, this beautiful model of what we are to do and be. God, we just ask you for your help. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've probably had a few enemies in your mind as I've been talking today. Would you pray for them right now? And as you pray for them, would you pray for your own heart toward them? Would you pray about ways you can bless them this week? You know, not next year, this week. Pray for ways you can do good this week. Love that makes no sense. You have to swallow a lot of pride. You're going to have to pray a lot. You never know what God might do. You never know who you're going to win over as you love with this divine love. It's a divine love. No other way to say it. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope today you've seen how loved you are. The lengths that Jesus went through to purchase you for him. The way he was willing to suffer and die in your place. But that, that's not the end of the story. That he rose back from the dead. And that you can put your trust in him today. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity now just to begin a conversation with him. I encourage you not to put this off. I mean, you're welcome to keep coming back and checking Jesus out, trying to figure out more about him. We're all about that. But I encourage you today to begin this conversation with him. And it goes like this. Just pray this quietly with me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. 
for dying in my place so that I could know you and I could know love. Forgive me for what I've done, God. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And Jesus, now help me love like I have been loved. In your name I pray. Amen. Next week, we're going to talk about how to heal. How do we heal from all these hurts? Great, Doug. I got to love. I'm supposed to love. That's wonderful. But what about the broken places in my heart? We're going to talk about that next, next Sunday at 9.30 and 11.30. But now during this last song, dark room, loud music. Nobody's worried about who's coming up, who's not coming up. I encourage you to come up at your own pace in this last song. Grab one of these. Slap it on here. And let's worship God. Pray for our enemies.